Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guests are Ben Crawford and Matt Wisner, the co-founders of the New Generation Track and Field magazine. They're students at the University of Oregon, where Matt is a member of the track team doing his fifth year of eligibility, and Ben is a prominent photographer and YouTuber who rose to prominence covering the Men of Oregon's summer training in 2020. Uh, this was a really interesting conversation, definitely an unusual one, uh, definitely one of the more uh, maybe controversial or uh, thought-provoking episodes of the pod. We talk a lot about media and running culture and the way that storytelling and creativity factors into the sport of running. And of course, we got into all the silly subjects as well, including the Mountain Dew Mile, celebrity crushes, and a lot of fun high school stories. You'll definitely enjoy the episode. And until next time, rate, review, subscribe, follow, do all the things that you do. And this has been Run Your Mouth. Welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for Long Talking Runners. Uh, this week's guest, we have two, uh, two Oregon boys uh, and the co-founders, I guess is the term that, that we're using, of uh, the New Generation Track and Field magazine. We have Ben Crawford and Matt Wisner here. Welcome, boys. Woo! <laughs> thank you. Thank you, David, for uh, hosting us. I know uh, you have a really busy schedule, so I appreciate you letting us come on. Um, yeah, we've wanted to be on your pod forever. Yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> oh man, the, it's a yeah, it's a hard get. You have to, um, you know, a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah, you have to have strong takes on your favorite Mexican food, and you know that's that's about that's about the only bar. I that do you have, have strong put. takes on Mexican food, being from California. But Crunchwrap Supreme. Well, that's fair. Oh, Taco Bell. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, but before we get into it, uh, this is a this is a big weekend for the the University of Oregon. Um, and Matt, you actually raced a couple times this weekend. So uh, how did that go? How's the new Hayward Field looking and feeling? Sick. Yeah, we've like you know been in Hayward for months, and it's like just been this big empty stadium, and like seeing people there just felt so bizarre. But first race with like you know we actually had fans in the stadium was like pretty dope, and yeah, like some good teams came. We had like good races all around, and. It was a blast. Very modest. You PR'd in the 15. I did. I PR'd in the 1500. Yeah. I haven't really <laughs> run it that much. So I knew it was going to be a PR because I don't really have that impressive of a PR, but ran a pretty solid time. What was the previous PR? I had run 348 in a time trial uh, okay. fall with just a couple other people on my team. But yeah, 342.95 now. Nice. It was a fun race I'm to a watch. a huge deal now. It was a fun race <laughs> to watch. I think the, deal. the tongue out at the end really hit home for a lot of people yeah that was like completely instinctual i didn't even like realize that i did it until i saw photos online and everyone's just like wow what a legend yeah <laughs> way to christen in the new track yeah. <laughs> forgot to take my victory lap like, <laughs> apparently you earn when you win a race at hayward it was, it was really yeah. funny watching the people like the especially the second day like watching people from other schools do victory laps because i mean there wasn't there was people there but it wasn't like a crazy amount of people and so i mean if an oregon runner did a victory lap they'd be more likely to get a good amount of 
cheers and applause but then there'd be like a byu guy running down the home straight and like it'd just be sound the next race is going on yeah no and it's just like is he cooling down or or what's going on yeah after i finished there was like some dad in the stands was like take your victory lap take your victory lap and i was like why does this guy want me to do this like i didn't realize it was like a tradition like you're meant to you're just like i just won the b heat of uh, (laughs) (laughs) of a 1500 like (laughs) how is uh ben you got any hot takes from the meet from the 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 spectator photographer position were there any any performances stood out as a spectator my only affiliation with the university of oregon is being a student that's my only affiliation um but i will say as a spectator i don't feel like there's a bad seat in that stadium um i think it's it's just so different it was so different than the old stadium that was the one thing i kept thinking about the entire time was like wow this is nothing like the old stadium which i mean kind of seems like matter of fact and like well like no shit uh uh but it's i don't know it it'll be interesting to see how it is when it's filled to the brim and really gets rocking. But yeah, it was just the attention to detail was insane too. Like in the bathrooms, there's like glass panels, like on the floor with like spike plates and like bibs in them and like gold medals and stuff. It's just like, wow. Like they spared no expense. Yeah. They literally yeah. went so over the top. Yeah. The urinals, you, you pee on the Washington logo. That's uh, how it works. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There's one bathroom like upstairs where if you're like, literally peeing in the urinal you're like standing on top of a like fake matt Sandrowitz like <laughs> olympic gold medal from 2016 i'll just leave that one there i'm not trying to start more <laughs> 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 um yeah that's yeah it looks i mean it looks good on see i've only been to hayward once um as a spectator uh because i never made ensemblays in the steeple it's fine i'm not salty about it it doesn't haunt me to this very day but um <laughs> it's a it's a cool it's definitely one of those like you know, bucket list things of like, you gotta, you gotta go to Hayward if you're a fan of track. Yeah. I think it's a cathedral for track and field. It's, it's just, it's amazing. I definitely am excited to see, you know, down the road, how, how it plays out with NCAAs and the trials. I think it'll be just absolutely rocking, swaying side to side, people going crazy. Yeah. Get your vaccines, people. We want full, full crowds (laughs) when those meets roll around. Soon as I'm able, I will. I'll be there. Yeah, no. But, so before we move on, I want to ask you, Matt. Actually, as a as an incoming fifth year to the to the team, I I think this is how did it feel for you to come into, you know, this new experience? Well, also, you know, in a pandemic, that's a whole separate conversation. But just coming into a new team with like, you know, an established culture and a way of doing things and everyone knows each other and sure you're one of the oldest people but it's also I have to imagine feels like a little bit like being a freshman again in terms of just being new um how did how did that transition work out for you um uh, it was good you know like team culture is like something that like almost resets every year you know so there's like a bunch of new guys who came in we had like five freshmen like I came in with like um two other fifth years and you know like my other roommate Angus like came in from Switzerland for the first time so there were like a lot of new people I'd say like half the team is new honestly so I think right away there was just this willingness to like yeah kind of kind of like roll with the energy of the new group and the guys who've been here for a while like yeah are clearly very tight and like good friends with each other but you know we're good friends with them now too and yeah, it feels good. It's it's a really cool vibe. I really like the the energy of this team. Um, What's the biggest yeah. difference between Oregon and Duke? Um, Oregon is really fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, Duke's doing really well this year. Duke's doing much better this year than they ever did when I was there. Um, Coincidence? 
coincidence. Yeah, I was just such a holding him back. Man. I was a parasite. Yeah, he's holding everyone back. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say the yeah, the vibes are like pretty similar, like really tight. Yeah, I think people like here seem to take running more seriously. So it's like if you know we we practice twice a day here, which I've never done before. So we're just around each other a lot more. We like you know all live together, which I also had never done before. I never lived with teammates, um, and I don't think schools is demanding. So probably not yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's just more focused on running i'd say yeah that sounds fun to me you know what they it's call oregon ivy of the west ivy of the west it's true oh absolutely it's the yeah. uh the stanford of the pacific northwest the west. exactly <laughs> exactly spot the lie <laughs> um so so you guys Oh, we have a lot to talk about. I did, I did weirdly a lot of prep for this episode just because I feel like I had a lot of thoughts that I needed to organize. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I'm very unprofessional most of the time, but I actually did a little work before this. Um, the first question I had, so new generation track and field. Yeah. What is What do you define as the new generation? I define, okay, so the new generation I define as, I would say off the rip, I'd probably say that it's, I don't know, everyone who there's definitely a big uh, gap between people who are like social media is bad, like performance. And okay. I'm not taking shots at Morgan Pearson or uh, Matt Macro. I love those guys, but they're always like the performance over social media aspect. And like, you know, people always want to say the sports, like dying, all this stuff, but then it's social media is obviously the future. It's if you brand yourself and, you know, are able to showcase your personality, you can get more fans and there in turn, be able to make more money, create more revenue, like do different things. And, and obviously, you know, the faster you are on the track, the better, the better it's going to bode for you outside of it versus if you're a 14 flat 5k guy, yeah, you can get some following, but if you're a 13 flat 5k guy who's branding themselves, like you're going to be top of the pyramid and so yeah i'd say it's the new generation is just the, you're a 14 10 5k guy like go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> hey man i ran like 18 minutes in high school so no shade anywhere um but i'd say yeah the new generation definitely is like the just anyone who's who's with the wave of of the future knows that social media isn't going anywhere anytime soon and is that it's the future it's not a you know no longer yeah, should you have to rely on your shoe company or your sponsors or your agents to put you out there? It's, you know, do it yourself, like brand yourself, build the brand. I think a lot of athletes have started to prove that that is the way and it's very viable, whether it be through YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, like look at Morgan McDonald now doing his YouTube and everyone talks about it. Emma Abramson's successfully built herself a brand off of YouTube. I mean, there's, it's, it's endless. And I think accounts like Traxta and, you know, running report and, and these other Portland tracks, sound running, putting on these meets like this Sidious mag. It's like, I definitely would include Sidious mag in, in the new generation as it's like, that was one of the things I wanted to ask. I was like, am I old generation? No, uh, you're not, not at all, but it's, it's just it's not yeah, about age. Yeah. It's not about age. It's about mindset. It's more of an attitude about exactly. yeah. Yeah, it's an attitude. And so it's like, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, just wanting to be, wanting to almost push the sport forward in a way, but not sitting back and being like, wow, I wish the sport would get pushed forward. This sport sucks. It's like, okay, well, like, don't sit and complain, like go do something. Yeah. I'll say something about that too. It's like, we hear all this talk about like pushing the sport forward or whatever, but like to us, like pushing the sport forward means like having more fans and more engaged fans. Yes. And like when Ben and I sat down, like very early, like in planning this magazine, we said like, 
hey, wouldn't it be cool if like people stopped taking bathroom breaks during the 5K? <laughs> like what's going to make people like watch the 5K? And it's like, if you know the runners that are in the race and like you have some stake in like their personality or like what they're up to, like from, you know, social media or like a new cool magazine that you've been reading. Seriously, there's also then, like, a big yeah. journalistic element to it too, but we'll get to that yeah, later. we'll get to that later, I guess. But yeah, we just want, you know, like more more engaged fans. And I think like, yeah, that's that's what new gen is about to me. Yeah, and yeah, I definitely, I agree with that. And I think, yeah, between new and more engaged fans and just, you know, being the social media generation as well. It's the new generation, but it's the social media generation. It's the generation of, you know, not being an old fart and being like social media is bad like what's all this like no like it's the future you look at tiktok and youtube and all these other influencers per se from these like other cultures and it's like they're at the top of the world like getting brand deals left and right it's like why can't track be on that same level yeah it's interesting you know i i think part of it is just you know as much as you say it's an attitude and it's not you know, necessarily in age. I do think there's a little bit of that where you look at someone like Jenny Simpson, who, you know, is still very much at the top of the game, but for, you know, she's been around for so long that for half of her professional career, this hasn't, you know, been, you know, there hasn't been that push to to share on social media and to, mm-hmm. to make that. And I can see, you know, I empathize with it weirdly where it's like, I can see that feeling like a, distraction or like yeah, uh definitely you know an, an externality if you've always done things a certain way and been successful that way and it's I guess uh, one of the things I sort of struggle with is this idea of like how do you push people who aren't necessarily who did, that doesn't come naturally to people who aren't egomaniacs like me who like you know want to fucking have their opinions out in the world all the time like how do you push the sort of more introverted among the track and field world into that broader space of, Hey, this is, this is good for you. You will benefit from this, but also, you know, everyone will benefit from this in terms of growing the sport. I think like, yeah, to me, it's like, yeah, if there's like a whole set of professional athletes, it's not like, Oh, these people are new gen. These people are old gen. Like I think new generation is about like just having a more, engaged fandom right like if there's like half the field in a 5k like we know some cool stuff about because they're like active on social media or they're like willing to talk to you know the press that's like yeah like kind of like a new generation like mindset right like if you're if you're jenny simpson and you're like i don't need to waste my time like talking to the press or posting on social media because it's gonna like mess with my performance then like that's her thing and like she has a right to do that like we at the end of the day want everyone to go as fast as they can and like yeah you know yeah it's it's i definitely would say this too and, and jenny simpson i think is a phenomenal example to use because she's you know been so good and, and has a you know a very like solid fan base and instagram following and and whatnot and brand deals partnerships and i think you know she probably looks at it as like well what else would i need to do and all this like things like that and i think that uh it's more so the people who like why would i want to put more of myself out there versus you get these new younger kids who are in high school, freshmen in college, mm-hmm. et cetera. And that's just second nature to them right. because it's what they see. And it's and like, there's always going to be a new generation per se of, of high school kids coming in. It's like, okay, that's the target audience. Like if the Jenny Simpsons and, and um, whatnot, if they want to, the people who are kind of are in that same boat, if they don't want to do it, like they don't have to, 
it's, but the other people, it's just going to feel kind of second nature too. And I think it's, it's just more like the rest of the world and like the rest of online internet culture where it's like for NBA and NFL and baseball mm-hmm. and soccer, it's like everyone is vicariously lives through these professional athletes. So it's, you don't really need a, like it, like at the end of the day, it is up to them, but you know, mm-hmm. it's like kind of hop on the wave or get left behind. Cause there, know, yeah. there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, you'll be able to see the results from it. I mean, you look at everyone talks about Craig angles all the time and, People talk about Jenny Simpson, but but for for different reasons. For sure, and it's like we don't need every single athlete to like be constantly like you know showing us their lives on social media, or talking to the press, like for this to work. Like it's just about like understanding and knowing the personalities of the athletes more in general. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think I talked about this in Noah, but this is kind of where I, where I feel like this is where the quote unquote the creators. You know, that's the role for that I wish and hope that more sort of people will value more explicitly in terms of there are all these really interesting, you know, stories in the track and field world, but maybe the personalities aren't the types of people to sort of tell that tell their own story in a compelling mm-hmm. way. And that's where, you know, whether it's a photographer, whether it's, you know, a media person on a team, wh- whoever it is, you know, it shouldn't be you know, it shouldn't be the responsibility of like one small marketing team on a shoe brand to tell the story of every athlete in the, that runs for them. And I would hope, I hope that part of why I'm so bullish on the idea of like professional groups, um, you know, being the path forward for, for the track, for the track world, because literally every other sport has people who are fans of teams you know <laughs> i think a big part of that is that it's just the resource sharing of if you have you know if every pro team has a joe hale you know kind of attached to them um and that that is baked into sort of the monetary side of it in terms of oh this is the marketing budget of this team i think that that makes it you know easier for the people who aren't as like out of their shells to be mm-hmm. like, okay, you're, I'll just do my, I'll do me. And, you know, the person who's is actually talented and experienced in the field of storytelling can, can kind of take the reins from that. And so that's kind of my dream for. I agree with I that. To like, I think that's a great point. And, and one thing I'll say too, is like with, with on athletics club, like they want to sit here and, and talk about how they're this, you know, groundbreaking new team or even this, this new Puma team. And it's like, where's your team Instagram? Where's your like website, your merchandise? Like, you know, you guys compete together and, and all these things, but it's like, why, like, if you're going to be this, like, or if you're trying to be this new force to be reckoned with, then why aren't you taking these steps? Like, Mm -hmm. is it that, like, are you, I don't want to say like, are that blind to what's going on, but it's like, I think that's just a disconnect between the attitude of the older generation and the newer generation where, you know, maybe those executives are like, they don't think in that way. And they're just like, we just need these fast runners where it's like, you're completely missing the mark. Like this Puma team could be like one of the biggest news things in track and field for a long time. And it's, they have these three runners and they don't even live together or train together. Like they're coached by different people. They just happen to be sponsored by Puma. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is, you're trying to make a, a new thing and you're completely dropping the ball. Yeah, totally. And I, and I will give them a, a little credit of, of it's, it seems like they're, they're genuinely trying to start something from scratch, but like, I remember, and again, like I'll say, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Like I am not 
I don't work in sports marketing, so maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But like, I remember when they announced, when New Balance announced Danny Jones signing, it was like the Monday before Thanksgiving or something like that. And it was like, you know, I, I, I do have experience in the field of political communication. It's like, what are you doing? Like, this is, you're going to be one of your biggest signers this year. And it just got completely, you know, it wasn't tied to a race. It wasn't tied yeah. to, a, you know, storytelling around her or anything about why she's a valuable athlete or a good representation of the brand. And there's just no, that's where I, I definitely agree with you guys. Um, and and uh, for the listeners, trust me, this is not just going to be a circle jerk the whole time of like us agreeing in, <laughs> in, in concert. But, but I do think that there's such a bigger role that, storytelling for lack of a better word can play in professional running and because it's just hasn't been prioritized by sort of the powers to be mm-hmm. in the past it's just so devalued in a way and hopefully i think i mean i don't i, I can't stand the fact that there are you know fucking bachelor contestants getting hope deals like that's <laughs> horrible and I'll say this too uh don't mean to cut you off but like with when you're talking about uh you know kind of the powers that be not really being on that wave. My whole goal with this at least is to create a wave where it's, you know, like each year, like with the more people who kind of started tuning, it just gets bigger and bigger until it becomes a force to be reckoned with that it kind of the powers to be either have to submit to it or get steamrolled out of the way, because I think the power of the people will always prevail. And I think this is what the people want. They want it to, you know, like you're not going to get some, 16 year old kids to tune in because you're doing some shitty corporate scheme to unveil your new shoe. Like they, they want to see what they're used to. They want something that they can look at and say, this makes sense. Like this fits in. And I think on some level too, it's kind of about like bringing media coverage to the people. Like you said something about like not every team having a Joe Hale and like there is something really, you know, subversive about social media where, you know, like, Tin Man is posting these Joe Hale photos all the time and like it costs zero dollars and zero cents to like follow their page and like be seeing all these dope, like really cool artistic photos. And then you like, you feel like you know something about these athletes and then you're gonna wanna watch their races. And yeah, I mean, we could talk about also like the broadcast model all day long too, where now there's like all these free broadcasts and that's like a super groundbreaking, like. I think they forced runner space hand to broadcast yeah, the exactly. Hayward premiere for like, free. We saw that this week. Yeah. Like and the, I'm sure, I mean, yeah. And, and I, just to finish my thought from before, it's like, I think my big thing is like, somebody's always going to be the sort of influencers. Mm-hmm. And I would rather let's turn athletes into influencers rather than giving influencer, useless influencers more money, you know? And Literally so, less. Yeah. Yes. Preach. I, it, <laughs> like, um, what does weightlifting fitness guy ha- know anything about track and field and that whole community or the running, but it's like, Hey, let's give him this pair of hokas and, like have him interview Scott Favel. Like this is going to be sweet. People are going to love this. And then the video gets like 2000 views. And then the thing is, is you can't blame them because ultimately at the end of the day, you're like, well, if we're looking at this purely in terms of impressions, you know, the random bachelor contestant has 2 million followers on Instagram. And that probably is a cost-effective way to get eyes on Hoka shoes. And yeah, it's, it's, I feel like that's where there has to be I think an obligation and this is I think a big question I have for you guys is like what essentially what does it mean to to be good for the sport and what obligation do people 
in the media world have to set the agenda to direct the narrative of track and field versus just telling stories as they organically happen. I have an answer to this. Okay. I think something like what you just said about like, you'd rather have like athlete influencers than like some bachelor contestant, like with the Hoka sponsorship. And it's like, yeah, we can't just appeal to the goodwill of like these big corporations who like are, you know, they're not pretending that their number one motivator is that they like, you know, they want to make money. And I think it, it does take like, you know, somebody making some kind of sacrifice to kind of like pressure these like large corporations into like, you know, meeting the needs of like the track community and its fans. So like we saw with the Texas qualifier, like Trial of Miles and Sidious Mag, you know, like put on this like free broadcast and it's like, yeah, they may have like taken a, you know, financial hit to like make that happen. But then, you know, not even a month later now Runner Space, which is like a much larger media conglomerate is like now also doing a free broadcast because it's like clearly what people want. And they know that if they don't kind of comply to these like new norms, then they're going to get left behind. They'll get left behind. And like somebody else is going to like be the ones who do the broadcast for free because that's what people want. Just the idea that an athlete's social following, you know, I think about um, Sydney McLaughlin is like the perfect success story where it's like, she you know, is absolutely unequivocally, everyone can agree, you know, an incredible asset to New Balance. She's, you know, has a likely a seven, if not eight figure contract with them. And there's a reason for that. But part of why she, and she's, you know, and she's incredible and accomplished and a, you know, absolute, um, you know, top of the world class athlete. But at the same time, her narrative was determined when she made the Olympic team in 2016 and NBC decided that she was going to be their next Allison Felix and do a ton of promotion in their broadcast of her story and her being kind of one of their stars. And that's where it comes back to what I, what sort of is interesting to me of this idea of like, you can put the thumb on the scale as somebody covering the sport of track and field, not just an athlete. I will say this about, about Cindy McLaughlin and, and this is a hot take. So get started off with a good hot take right here. Hot take alert. Um, I don't think Cindy McLaughlin is nearly as influential as she could be. I, I think, you know, yeah, she has probably X amount of follow. I don't know. Maybe probably over a hundred thousand, 200,000, I'd assume. Um, but it's like, do people really know her? Do they really know her story? Do they really, when she steps on the line, do they really care about her? Does she really post insight or is it just, like she's this, the media darling that mm-hmm. these corporations kind of, like you said, picked. And yes, she's this young, fast runner. Right. Yeah, good looking runner who like a lot of those followers probably aren't even track fans. Like they're just people who are just like, oh, who's this? I'm going to follow her. Okay. Well, that's like part of it too. It's like, yeah, the commentators are like catering toward like this yeah. ordinary person who like doesn't know track probably yeah. like because that's like, you know, financially viable or whatever, like commercial, commercially mm-hmm. viable. And yeah, it's like easier for the normal person to like understand this simple story of like, oh, like this high school girl who's like really pretty is so talented and like competing at like, you know, a world-class level. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's just simple. And I think that's like on some level, you know, like our own fault as like people in track media, because like, I don't know, I think we need more media to like bring more fans into the sport so they don't have to kind of fall back on this 
Yeah. You know, like kind of late. And I don't want to say lazy. That sounds kind of critical, but I think it is kind of lazy. Yeah, I, like, I agree. Like, it's just like not like doing really the bar good. is it's so good, well. honest, like journalism, complete. Yeah. Journalism. And I think, well, and, and so I would say that I'll put it both ways where I think part of my maybe hot take that Ben won't love is that I, I think there's a lot of lazy YouTube out there. And I think that a lot of athletes, and I'm not going to name names because I've learned my lesson, but I think that there are a lot of athletes who have gained a large following through what I think is frankly very boring, uninteresting content. And I'm okay with you saying that because I know you're not talking about me. The, uh... <laughs> I think the bar is very low for point a camera at somebody running and get, you know, X thousand views if they're, you know, fast enough, attractive enough, et cetera. The, yeah. view, the, you know, and I think this is again, where I come back to this refrain of like, what do, who, whose job is it to fix that? You know? And I'll say this too. I think when you said, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean to help grow the sport and, and kind of what is that role? I think it's, you know, providing content that's new and fresh and different than stuff that's out there. And, and you know, yes, maybe it may have, appeal to a lot of people or it might appeal to a subsection of people but i think just the act of doing something different and you know kind of putting it out putting yourself out there and saying hey like i'm willing to go against the grain and go against the mold and push the envelope i think that is inspiring enough for other people to see and say oh they did that i can go do something that i want to do on my own in the sport and you know per se whether it's something like you know maybe for me people say like oh because one about like, I don't know, 1% of people are probably like at that fast elite level where it's like a Morgan McDonald, where you're fast enough, where people really do care about you. But for a lot of people, they never make it to that level. And so I think for people kind of seeing me, they're like, who is this kid? Who is this slow person? And it's like, Hey, like I went out and I did something, you can do it too. And whether you look at Everett Smolders and people say, you know, like maybe people like it or they don't like it. That's besides the point. It's the fact that he's out there doing something different and new, and that could inspire someone to do something completely different. It doesn't have to be, you know, in the same vein of what he's doing, but it just the fact that it's different and breaking the the barrier and the corporate mold per se. I think yeah. So so here's where I don't agree with you though, is that I think that there's in the same way that journalists, media folks, photographers, storytellers, creators, whatever word you want to use, have an obligation to frame stories and elevate stories in an interesting way. I also think there, you also have an obligation in the same way that I know I'm gonna be pissed off by NBC's coverage of Galen Rupp at the Olympics mm -hmm. because they're not gonna talk about all the things they should be talking about with Galen Rupp and they're gonna give him a lot of free airtime that makes him seem like he smells like roses and but look at the NBA and the NFL and these other sports though. And they do, they talk about James Harden missing practices for being on the strip club and all these things. And it's, I think too, it's uh, a lot of it comes down to, and even you look at, at rap music and, and these other cultures where there's news outlets. And I think that it's the responsibility of some outlets to really provide that good hard hitting journalism. And then of course there's going to be your TMZs and your inquirers and your people magazines where it's like just, tabloid type stuff and i think you know there's a range spectrum and my whole thing is like there is a responsibility but it's like if you label yourself with that responsibility then it's your job to act like it but it's like if not then you don't have to and the people will decide as they may and that's where i think context is important and that's where we come back to the Everett smolders thing where i think it is 
I think it's disingenuous to present him as barrier breaking without putting what he's doing and what he's saying and the messages he's sending to specifically young boys in context. And I think a lot of people have given him a lot of free airtime because he is controversial and not because he is valuable to the sport. And I don't, that's the question is, you know, you're always going to get clicks. You're always going to get views by boosting something that's, you know, exciting or that is making track and field seem like WWE. (laughs) And um, you guys, as people who are trying to get into this space of covering the sport and, and are, I shouldn't say trying, who are, and now in the space of covering the sport, where do you see the obligation to sort of place things into context and maybe maybe not give a podium to somebody who is saying things that are, you know, something that you feel like your personal values aren't reflected in. Yeah. Well, I'll give some context first. So we, (laughs) our third issue of our magazine, the March issue, we did a Q and A with CEO Everett Smulders. CEO. And we, you know, we want to cover things journalistically. Like if something seems relevant or newsworthy and interesting, like we want to put in our magazine and like Westfly to us is like interesting and newsworthy. People are talking about it. They're watching the videos. It's relevant. I mean, yeah, regardless of like our allegiance or like personal opinions on it, like I think we both kind of like tried to do like the journalist thing for this. Like I wrote like a very removed introduction like to this Q&A about like what they're doing, you know, and like the context behind it. Yeah. And then we like asked questions to him where we were really trying to like, like kind of hold him accountable a little bit, like get really like, you know, straight, like, like be a little direct. Like, like we, do you think your brand is too reliant on hating on Tin Man? Yeah. Or like, like, do you think you're pushing the sport forward? Like, what do you think that beef actually accomplishes? Things, like, things, not just kind of, I guess, trying to boost an ego or two with the interview being like wow what you're doing is this and that like yeah. how are you so successful how are you doing this like what is it like to be the ceo like yeah things like that it, it's we weren't hyping him up by any means but i think at the same time like it's this like accountability thing but also it's this like we want to like genuinely like know what you think yeah. and like i don't know some people i think could interpret that as like you know giving someone a platform or like lifting them up or whatever but um yeah, I mean, ultimately, like depiction is not endorsement. And yeah, I think I think like what he said in our in our magazine. You know, like we publish his answers verbatim, and like I think they really plainly like say how he feels, and, and they speak for themselves. Yeah, and it, it shows him in in all of in his his wholeness of you know he like it's very very much at face value. Like it is what it is. It's not like making him seem super amazing or or super not amazing in any context. It's just face value. And you've read it. And I will say, so I was going to say for the listeners, I've, I've, I've read this interview. I thought it really was, I think you guys are describing it accurately is I think it was really fair and did provide, I think, valuable context that is not always provided with him. I think I maybe would have asked slightly more hard hitting questions, but I'm also me and you guys are you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that being said, um, and not to like, you know, whatever, call anybody out or anything, but the... I will say the the first time I have ever heard of uh, Mr. Westfly was on a uh, video podcast that was sent to me over the Christmas break um, that Ben was on um, with the the Trackstar crew. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and that, that was an interesting podcast, man. I will say yeah. that it was, I don't know. Do you uh, stand by that podcast? I, I don't know. What did you say? First of all, recap I, what you said. I, dude, I, I definitely was, uh, might've gotten, I wouldn't say carried away. Like I, I'll stand by what I said because I did say it, but I will say I definitely wouldn't be surprised if revisiting and some of my opinions have changed as I think I've grown and matured a little bit more as a person since And he's then. a journalist now. Yeah. Past few yeah. Months, okay. but I have and, I, and I will say, I, I don't, by my side. I don't think I can't, and I can't remember exactly whatever, who said what and whatever, but you know, I think to me, the things that I remember are really personal attacks on the Tin Men on a level that I think crossed the line. Talking about people's girlfriends, talking about. Yeah, I would agree with that in the sense of, I think, you know, you tend to become one with the crowd that you're in. And I think, you know. Kind of like right now. Yeah, I think that I might've been able to make a better choice on that, but you know, you live and you learn. And I think that sometimes it's easy to go with the flow when you're. Those and, kind of and I guess that's, you know, maybe that's my, yeah. you don't have to take my word on this or anything, but you know, my optimists outlook on this and, and maybe this is not very journalistic of me and this makes me biased, but. Oh, there was definitely you know, one of the, there was bias from yeah. you're honest. our side in, in that, in that thing. I will say that. My thing is like, you're, you know, you're a talented kid. You, you clearly have a defined vision for what you want to do in the sport of track and field. I think, I think Cooper's a really talented kid, a charming kid who has, you know, amassed a really big following. And, and, you know, you want to talk about new generation. I think what, what those guys are doing is, is getting excitement into the sport among sort of a younger generation yeah. of kids in a way that, you know, really, I, I can't remember since when, when Drew Hunter was, you know, a senior in high school and first turning pro and so what are you doing with those fucking clowns like Everett Silva and Everett Smolders? You guys are better than that. That's my point is that like you're better than that. And that's where I come back to what is the obligation of yeah. storytellers so I, in the sport. I think that's why I say, I'll say this too. I think, you know, you live and you learn and, you know, you, you do realize some things uh, after a while. And it's like, I still, I, I love those guys and, and whatnot and everything is, they're friends of mine, but I think, you know, at least where I am now with the, or me and Matt are now with the, the vision of kind of where we want to take this. I think that things like that are starting to definitely become a lot clearer and, uh, you know, trying to put, put more emphasis on things like that and really lay low unless it's something important and mm -hmm. classy and well, well written, well said, like well scripted. Uh, it's you can't you don't want to be frivolous yeah you don't want to be frivolous and you don't want to be just be saying something to say it um you want to be you know you want it there to be meaning in it and you want it to be rooted in something i'll also say like i don't i don't know what ben said at the time but <laughs> uh like like how i feel about westfly i think maybe sometimes like your impulses like yeah. you can trust and like maybe your impulses are correct but like the delivery could be yeah yeah ex extravagant maybe like too too much relying on spectacle yeah which is like a critique i have of westfly is like yeah that's sure a lot of the things i he says like i think have a truth in them but i think like yeah there's a there's a large part of it that's also like very extravagant and 
yeah, basically like relies on shock factor for circulation. Yeah. And like I, that's why we're talking about it. Literally. I was going to say, we're definitely going to cut this down. Uh, this is yeah. already spending way too much fucking time on this topic. <laughs> and I will say this is, thank you guys for rolling with this because this is a, an episode of run your mouth. Like none I've ever done. This is, it does not usually, I'm not usually actively uncomfortable on <laughs> as part of, oh, you're uncomfortable. Um, oh, um, we're I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm loving this and I think, you're putting, at least with, with that, with what you had said, I think, you know, that wasn't really something I had thought about before, but it's like, at least in this kind of context, but it's, it's good. And it's, it's getting different juices flowing and different thoughts. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Also, also well, I, yes, please. We're, we're also like angling, like to be like a media, you know, organization and like we want to be respected and like empire. have legitimacy and no, we don't want to be the word empire, empire. No, no we're we're groundbreaking institution yeah but um i think we want to be credible and i think like we don't want to align ourselves with with anybody yeah. really like we want to kind of be this like you know like third party like yeah we can have friends friends of the mag yeah <laughs> but we um yeah we we want to be like respected and credible and i think like kind of showing allegiance toward anybody like Westfine included like would be I think a disservice like what we're trying to achieve yeah and like there are I think the thing that at least for for me is is a hard thing is I'm very much a people person and I love you know just like I have a lot of friendships within the sport of, of people that I've just kind of gotten to know and, and become close with and it's hard a lot of the times for me to separate that from a especially now more so as you know the brand has started to grow and maybe gotten more eyes on it where before it was just me and the photos I would take and no one talked about it. It was, I was just doing me, but now it's like, okay, I, I got to actually be more careful about certain things. And, you know, actually You're preaching to the choir on that. I, you know, <laughs> I've had my share of uh, Twitter controversies. So. You know, and, and the, I will say that the part is, especially with not being, affiliated with the U, U of O track team anymore is it's lifted a, a great burden off my shoulders of, you know, it's like, who's going to give me a slap on the wrist, like myself, which is honestly in a good way, a good thing because it allows me to hold myself to the standard I want to hold myself to and not that some other entity is trying to hold me to, which, you know, I'm just living, living well, being able to kind of create what I want to create. It's, it's something you have to ask everyone should should think more consciously about mm -hmm. i think is you know what what you what standards you're holding yourself to you know yeah um this is wildly serious and it's making me uncomfortable how seriously i've been for how long um so um yeah but i, I mean i think actually maybe maybe this is a a um uh a, a slight transition, but so in the same vein is um, what uh, either or both of you um, in the age of social media, since apparently that's the theme of this episode, um, what's either the biggest thing you've gotten in trouble for or the stupidest thing you've gotten in trouble for, for, for posting out on the internet? Over the internet. I've never been active on as active as I was on Twitter since my freshman year of high school. Like I tweet a good amount now, but I really used to be in the trenches, active AF. This is also like why Ben and I make such a good team because like I counter his chaotic impulses with temperament and yeah. with reasonableness. Yeah, I make um, us uncancelable basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I very much just kind of, 
do, I wouldn't say do what I want, but like, cause that sounds like a, oh, I just do what I do, whatever I want, but I just, uh, it's definitely not true. But if I have an idea, I very much get a skewed perspective and I'm like this, I had this idea that must mean it's a good idea. Let's go do it. And then I'm like, Oh wait. And I've had to learn how to cope with that over time and be like, maybe we shouldn't act on everything. Yeah. See, I have the exact opposite uh, enabler in Chris Chavez, who <laughs> I will often be texting him offline about my strong opinions about something happening in the track world. And he'll just respond like tweet it. <laughs> i love no. that i love Chris. he's right on some level we need like more opinions just out there that's just circulating yeah that's also why i'm saying like anything that's different and goes against the grain and yeah it's just going to build no matter if it's good or bad it's going to build the sport yeah, up we need because to build, it creates a larger community we need to like build a discourse you know like there needs to be a track discourse yeah see i see i think my the thing that gets me in trouble is that i love an irrational opinion like half of this podcast is based on having really strong opinions about really stupid things. And so I love the hyperbole of like, you know, being like burritos are better, better than tacos. And that's the most important thing to me. You don't eat your world. burritos sideways. What are you doing? Yeah. And that's like, that's the problem is that I don't think that sense of humor translates well to, um, the uh, nuance of Twitter discourse. So I've had to- I also think track and field is a little too purist um, in a sense right now. I think it's it's a lot, a lot of like a lot so changing, but I think before it'd be like, wow, you're going to say something that's not like 110% positive, like you asshole, like what are you doing? Yeah. And it's like, that's not how the real world is. Yeah, I do. I will say that I think the like kind of, I call it toxic positivity <laughs> culture where there's like this just, you know, like really hollow and like disingenuous was, like, yeah, empowerment culture. Very like, disingenuous. I think that's like truly like, yeah, good for like some people like maybe like you know I, you see like Alexi like I'm not to critique Alexi Pappas but like she does this really well and I think like her audience of like high school girls is like you know that's like a, a good thing for like some people but at the same time I do think it's like really alienating for some people to just be seeing like nothing but like love positive talk <laughs> and like freaking butterflies and body pause like no I mean that's good that's okay. good there's like that's a good part of it there's elements of it that are good but I think we need like a more full kind of like like a discourse. You Let's know, not lie like, to yeah. ourselves. We can't have like a very like narrow, like only one dimensional, like online image of like what it means to be like in the track. Yeah. Like giving, giving a message to like younger runners online. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about Alexi Pappas, but that's a whole other. Um, yeah. We shouldn't uh, open that. Anywhere. I think uh, <laughs> we'll leave it. Yeah. Commodifying mental health awareness. is so sticky. So yeah. I give her one thumb up, one thumb um, down. <laughs> but um, no, I think, because I've I struggle with this too where I I tend to be very negative about my own running and to the extent where it's pretty detrimental I, I have like spent a long time trying to like work on like positive self-talk and I think there are times there are times when I'm like uh, you know because it's like the other side of that is oh you're like if you ever post that like training's not going well or that like something sucks you're like looking for sympathy and I think that like that is that's a, also a tough needle to thread where it's like I'm it's important sometimes to be like I felt like shit this week yeah but then there's people don't have as people aren't as good at processing that as they are yeah. at I felt great this week yeah totally. Yeah. it's like and yeah just talking about like you know cultivating your like online profile too like it's tacky if if you're like all positive all the time, but it's also tacky if you're like self-deprecating all the time too. You need like a good mix because like we all are a good mix of like, you know, sometimes we feel good about our training or our racing and like sometimes we don't. And I think like being, yeah, candid think, about all of it is like probably healthy. 
some of the most interesting post-race interviews are often with runners who have not run well. I think that's, uh, that, that can be some of the most honest and revealing content out there for lack of a better term. And, and I think a big part of that is that it's not, there's no way to make that performative. You know, you can make positivity performative very easily, but it's hard to figure out a way to, you know, uh, package <laughs> uh, you know the negative feelings associated with track and field in a neat little ball but that makes it more real um and so I think that that is definitely maybe that's homework for you guys is figure out a way to uh you know capture that uh spirit in uh in your your work and your your future issues but yeah we're actually going to do a trend story about all of the the good runners who underperform we're calling the washed up runners article <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, one of my. I was, I was saying, I was like, wait, we're. I was like, I was we're on not the whiteboard. Doing <laughs> yeah. No, I think that is a cool idea, though. Like, I, I do think there needs to be more kind of like oxygen given to that. I will say, well, I, I do want to come back to uh, high school because I have, I have a question based on that. But before we get to that, um, one of the things I, I wanted to ask because I think it is, it is very revealing and oftentimes not in a good way to me uh, when people talk about who their role models in other fields are. So when you guys think about sort of what you want to do and what your goals are with, with new generation and, and your work, like what do you, what do you look to in other sports or other fields in terms of like, we want to be like these guys. Yeah. Okay. I'll, first, I'll start by saying that I think with our magazine, we have a very clear kind of like journalistic vision or goal that like we think is fresh and new. Like we, we don't think that there's like really good in-depth journalism that's also like in touch with kind of like the hip, new, fresh, collegiate running culture or like good high school running culture or even Pro. young professional, yeah, running culture. Like I think, you know, to a friend I've like called our magazine like similar to Runner's World, but like younger, fresher, newer, more in touch. Like we have our fingers on the pulse of the- Exactly. Youngers. Yeah, which, you know, I don't, you know, they have a, a different vision, right? Like they- you know, cater a lot toward like people who are like joggers, like normal people, <laughs> but you know, we, we don't intend to, to do that ever. So we think like in the media, like broader media landscape, like we're trying to do something new. Um, so I don't think we have any influences like per se within yeah. the running world. Like, yeah, there's a ton of people we like and like appreciate their work, but we, we do think that we're kind of writing our own playbook here, which yeah, definitely. That's actually crazy. Cause I was thinking that in my head, I was like, I don't really think there's anyone we're emulating after. And then you said that it's good team, great team right here. Um, but I'll say this, at least I have, I think about this a lot about the people who have influenced me and at least my realm and where I want to go. Very random list of people. Um, I'd say one, I love Kanye West and just how outspoken he is and how he just doesn't give a shit. He's uncancelable. He does. He's gone from music to fashion to like everything. He has this huge clothing brand, but he also, you know, changed the shape of music and pop culture with his album graduation and then 808s and Heartbreaks and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. They're these, you know, groundbreaking albums and they're classics. They stand the test of time. And that's, you know, one of my biggest goals with at least the videos is to create something that you can keep going back to and it gets better each time. It's not like you watch it once and it's done. You can watch it a year later and it's still as good as the first time you've watched it. But I also really like, you know, 
some tycoons like John D. Rockefeller and uh, Ben. Don't start with all that. Oh, I love I love these tycoons. Like I don't know who. I feel like I need to. There needs to be a visual aspect of Matt looking uh, embarrassed (laughs) in the background while Ben goes off. (laughs) Yeah, like slowly planting these like you know fervently anti-capitalist seeds into Ben's head. Yeah, but I I think you know just creating some kind of empire and having a, a stronghold where it's like everyone wants to be a part of it, but it's you're constantly revamping and changing the game and you know you're you're rolling with the punches and i'm trying to think of who else you're domineering yeah looting, invading no pillaging not, not the bad part seeking behavior um, declaring yeah. war learning troops on the ground mm-hmm. yeah all that no i also really like uh dwight eisenhower i think he's <laughs> he's the, one of the best presidents of all time very bipartisan uh led the allied invasion of d-day you know great leader um, yeah, very bipartisan, very, uh, very much a man of the people, uh, very good for morale, a great leader. Uh, yeah, I could, I could go on about other people, but I think, you know, I don't want to take the risk of saying someone who might be canceled. Yeah. You're, you're going to say, I, it's interesting the way Matt described what you guys are sort of wanting to do. And, um, Ben, Sounds like he wants to invade a country, but, uh, but that's... Um, <laughs> I want to invade a sport. Yeah, um, but, you know, I think one of the things that um, I really like about Sidious, which I think sounds similar to sort of what you guys are, are talking about, is that it reminded me a lot of Vulture, and that's okay. one of my sort of go... I don't consume that much, like, online journalism, for lack of a better term, but, you know, what what they do I think is I guess least annoying to me a lot of the time um and 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 I think that um it sounds pretty similar to 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 what Matt was describing and I think um there's a there is you know honestly to bring it full circle you know when you were talking about going from Duke to to Oregon and that feeling like a comfortable transition to you one of the things that's fascinating to me in the the running world is there is this common language, you know, that that sort of all distance runners speak. Um, and that's spikes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> warm up Long strides. Run. Yeah, uh, no, but it's but because but it is this really defined, interesting, quirky, unique culture. Um and I shouldn't say distance running, really, you know, the broader sort of athletics world, I think, you know, all falls into that. And that I think what, what people have tried to do and and keep trying to do is to, is to capture that energy in sort of a outward facing Mm -hmm. way to bring other people inside. Totally. And I, I, I can definitely relate to, to wanting to do that and, and hope that, um, you guys, you guys can as uh, as well. Um, One thing I think is is crazy is people will come up to me and, and say such to me like, "Man, your videos really inspired me to go run." Or like, I always like before I do my Saturday or Sunday long run, I always watch a video to get pumped up. And I'm just like, "Really? Like that's what gets you going?" But I mean, they're like, "Yeah, like it just makes running look so fun." And you know, I think from at least as have from an outsider perspective, thinking like in the moment, I never thought something like that would ever happen. But looking back on it, it's like, okay, like you have to think of these people who don't have any inclination of, or any idea of like who these runners are, what the pro running circuit looks like. They're just on fitness YouTube, looking up how to run a mile and they look at this and it seems almost inviting in a way. And so I think that 
that's another thing too, is you want to make it as like to make that mainstream appeal. You want it to be fun and, and not, you know, too weird or too uh, like serious or too, too much like make it. So you have to have a lot of context of, of knowledge to, to go in and watch it. I think also like so much of that, like exists at the same time. Like there's like different vibes, different, like, cultures within the sport and like I think trying to define it too like yeah you should like depict all of it right like if if you're a magazine editor like you want to like cover all of that but yeah also being wary of like defining something narrowly for like this is what the sport is or like this is what our culture is sport can yes, absolutely be whatever it whatever it wants to be for anybody totally. but like Melly, what you said earlier about like the quirky kind of like weirdos who are like kind of compulsive like that's like what you know like that's what drew me to the sport in the first place right like yeah, I don't know. I was like this kid who like hated the all boys soccer team and like wanted to like go hang out with those weird kids who were like boys and girls and like shave their legs sometimes <laughs> also, you know? So yeah. Did that, you become a swimmer then? That was, <laughs> well, I did, I did swim team too. Yeah, that was the next weirdest sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, Ben, do you have, how detailed dem- like uh, demographics do you have from your viewership on YouTube? Um, I haven't checked it in a while because I haven't posted anything, but like the YouTube studio goes in like pretty in depth. And do you uh, have a gender breakdown? Because I'd be very curious. It's as not to- as it's not like half and half, but I, I want to say it's like 65, 35 male to female. Like it's not outrageously male predominant, which I was genuinely surprised about. Um, and I, it did kind of change over time where it, at first maybe it was like an 80, 20, 75, 25, but kind of as I've posted more and more it, it that shrunk down and you know i think that's i love it i want it to be uh as equal as possible and not uh in a way kind of only target one audience i will say also like i think that's kind of the nature of like you know what ben was doing and like you know what spencer did too like spencer and ben were like two of the first like kind of like looks into like a collegiate program like this is what it means to be an organ doc or like a Georgetown distance runner. And I think like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. On some level, like, yeah, I think people just wanted to, yeah. Like use it for their own information. Like, do I go to the school? Do I join the school? Is this really what it's like? Yeah. So I, you know, would have expected it to be much, much more heavily skewed toward boys. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and, and, and obviously I think really for years now, Emma has been sort of in that. She's the one transitioned girl. a lot in what she did, but her sort of original YouTube narrative was like this is what it's like to be a, a runner in Oregon mm-hmm. um but um yeah it's interesting because I think that that is a big that's something I'm very self-conscious about is exactly what you were saying Matt of this idea of defining running culture as really defining like you know young upper middle class white male <laughs> like distance running as like all of running culture which it's not and, and which I, I I try to be conscious of because I think all of us you know have the have the tendency to sort of see things through our own little lens and not necessarily and to think that things are universal when they're, you know, not at all universal. And it's obviously marginalizing to make it definitely for other people. We're definitely really conscious of that. Like when putting the magazine together and 
you know, wanting to make sure that there's representation across the board, whether it's like the people, the articles are on the pictures in our magazine, people on the cover, the writers, et cetera. And it's, you know, you're never going to get it all hundred percent perfect, but I think that's one thing that sets us apart and sets the new generation apart too, is you look back at track and field news magazine and runner's world and these other magazines. And it's like very much plays to that predominant culture. And, you know, unless you're Michael Johnson winning the sprint titles, like, that's kind of the only way you can get there. And I, I think, you know, it should not be like that. And people should be able to look at this sport as because running people say running is the sport for everyone. It's like, it doesn't cost much to get into it, but mm-hmm. you look at what's portrayed and it's upper middle-class white guys. And it's like, okay, the, if you want to change it, well, that's one of the first things you have to do is, you know, make it so there can be kids in, in different socioeconomic groups who can look at it and say, that person reminds me of myself. I want to do this. I feel inspired by them. And yeah, like when we're putting the magazine together too, like Ben and I think about this all the time, right? Like we're the two who like make editorial decisions. Like for the most part, we're both like men and like both white. So yeah, we're definitely like really conscious of it and like who we depict and like whose photos get put in the magazine and who's writing for our magazine. And like, yeah, that's something that, you know, we can always do better with. So there's people yeah, out there like you want more writers hit us up if you can Seriously. if you can write a good story or yeah do some yeah. no it's, it's very true where it's i think there are people where i and again i won't name names because it will just get me in trouble but like there are people out there where i'm like does he have a single female fan like <laughs> and, you know not only is it you know, uh, again, like it ha- it's problematic for all these reasons, but it's also like, you know, we talk about pushing the, make growing the sport and it's like, let's make the bubble a little bigger, you know, yeah. or it's like, yeah. Um, and before we, we've been recording for so long and this has been great, but uh, I did want to ask Ben, uh, talk about the Mountain Dew Mile because Dude, this is something that Mount- we have. Okay, Dew Mile might be coming back this summer during the trials. You guys heard it here first. We have been in talks. This is about- a scoop. This is a run your mouth scoop. <laughs> so yeah, it's exclusive. Only going to get the information from the run your mouth podcast hosted by the one and only David Melly. Um, but yeah, basically, so it started in 2015 and I was just like, honestly, still, because okay, after I transferred from um, the Catholic high school to the public school. I'd gone to elementary school in, in um, public for public school or public school for elementary. And so I was kind of getting back with all these people. And I don't know, I didn't really mesh that well. And I was friends with the runners on my high school team a little bit, but I just like really fell in love with the sport. And I wanted more people who could really like relate to that feeling. So I started to make friends outside of school, like just of kids I'd race against and people I met on social media. And that happened to be, you know, Carter Christman, still one of my best friends, like in the videos goes to Oregon with me and uh, him and his, one of his high school teammates, Andrew Suda were followed like me or I had seen their Instagram page and it was do mile. And I saw it and I was immediately like, this is the best idea I've ever seen. And uh, I was just DM him and I was like, I want to get involved with this any way possible. And so it started off. Yeah. Like 2015, they were juniors. I was a sophomore. And basically we just invited a bunch of runners from, you know, California, like, it got more elite as we progressed, but the first one was very much like just good high school runners, like sub 420, sub 425 for the 1600, like stuff like that. And so we couldn't do beer. So we're like, let's do Mountain Dew. And uh, we're like, we have to, so we donated some of the proceeds to a children's hospital because we wanted it to have some kind of philanthropic thing to it. So it wasn't just like, uh, that's charitable unless you're a billionaire. Seriously. Uh, But uh, yeah, so we did that. And then it kind of, the next one we did was that was summer of 2015. 
or yeah. And then we did one uh, winter of 2015 or maybe it was winter of 2016. I don't remember. Um, and then that one like got a little bit bigger and we got a little bit more like maybe some sub four ten guys. And then we did one in 2017, the grand finale. And like, it was wild. Like we had, there was a team from Alabama who like drove out to the race for their senior trip. We had uh, a bunch of, we had a uh, do MR like uh, four by do or do by four. Uh, we had a girls race, like two open races, a seated race and an elite race. And in the elite race, it's crazy. Cause it's just all guys from Southern California and, and California, like Cooper was in it. He's from NorCal, but uh, it's funny now. Cause you look at these guys like Sydney, get booty was in it. Jeff Deese, like Cooper, like Austin Tamagno, these guys who have run like really elite times. But back then it was just kind of like, Hey, like, we know you from racing against each other in high school. Like we're still all really young and it's, it's just hilarious to see kind of how everyone's paths have gone. And, yeah. And, and still their and origins were all at the, we're all in the do mile. And the craziest thing that was like, we had a designated throw up zone. Uh, and dude, it was, there was just vomit everywhere. Uh, and <laughs> I did one green vomit. <laughs> yeah. And I did one at the, the last race, the grand the grand finale. It was, I, was right when Kipchoge was trying to break two minutes for the first time. And I was like, okay, like what if we did something? And I really, I had gotten hurt my junior year of cross country or junior year going into track season. And that's kind of really when I decided to put running aside and focus on the more media stuff. I viewed it like as a sign almost per se. It's like, I, like, I don't really like, I got to just do this. I still want to stay involved with the sport. And uh, I was like, okay, like not fast, but I was like breaking three for an 800. Uh, let's do it. And we got, we made fun of like, not made fun, but we poked fun at all the things like with, we had a bunch of pacers. So there was the video is still on YouTube if you want to watch it, but it's like, there's like six guys pacing me the first lap and then they all peel off and another six guys come in and start pacing me for the last one. I ran like two fifty seven, and everyone's like yeah. mobbing me on the track. And like, I got like a, someone like Portic leader of Mountain Dew over me. And it was, I was wearing like a Brooks PR kit and it was, <laughs> it was hilarious, but, uh, yeah. We did we did chocolate milk miles in high school, but we okay. I've never done a do mile. What to your knowledge, what's the world record in the? Do no one ever broke six. The closest was like six oh one or six oh two. I think Mason Kobe ran that. He runs for Furman now, um, and then Eric Gonzalez, who runs for Arizona State, ran like six oh two or six oh three that race. It started off as like six thirty pace, and then it went down the next year to like six twenty, and then like six ten, and then six oh one, six oh two. So never been a sub four race or sub six race, but well, hopefully it sounds summer, like you have your work cut out for you. Yeah. <laughs> man, if it happens this summer, it'll happen. And I remember the, during the fast race, uh, the elite race in 2017 at the grand finale, Cooper opened up in like a 55 second lap <laughs> and then just like died. He just like, they just chugged him out and do it and then just ripped and then was just like, uh, so I think it's really a lot about pacing yourself too, but but yeah, what makes you uh, bring it up? Was there anything specific you wanted to I ask? just heard, a, someone had just asked me, well, cause we, one of the things, one of our recurring questions is your gimmick mile. And you've already, you've not only answered the question, you've implemented your gimmick mile. So yeah. uh, you, you're Hopefully really the, the patron saint of that question on this podcast. I'm honored, I'm honored. Yeah, if it comes back, I'd love to get some, some fast guys in it. My gimmick mile is um, a Vans mile. Ooh. Vans, what do you think you could run in a Vans mile? Me personally, yeah. mm, maybe like four thirty. I think actually, I think you could Good. run like pretty fast, and it would just like hurt like shit afterward. Like, <laughs> well, just... I always that's I've always said that I think I could break five in a flip flop mile, but I just don't want to deal with the like 
carnage to my I feel legs like you'd after. Yeah, I'm really good at running in flip-flops, which is why like I, I think I could run fast in it. Very much a, a mom a mom skill right there. Yeah. I think it would ruin me though. Matt, what were you like in high school? I feel like we've gotten a lot of good uh Ben high school uh stories. School. I was like a like lot more like kind of type A than I am now. Like I was like the you know, like my entire high school career, I was like in first place in my class rank and like I did all these varsity sports and I was in like every fucking club that there is and like yeah I was like that I was like that busy kid um yeah definitely like much more boring than I am now like I feel like I never really had any like meaningful interest until I was like 18 years old because I was just you know kind of a cog in the machine yeah I was just like yeah I got in my own way like with my own ambitions my own (laughs) very tangible ambitions so yeah I don't know boring we, so i don't have any a... expulsion stories <laughs> i wasn't this... expelled i left on my own <laughs> this, this is an, uh, a frequent off-air topic of conversation for me and matt but uh when when did you uh come out was that in high school uh no i was in college um yeah i like just had a friend that i was very close with and uh in my freshman year and then we started kissing each other all the time <laughs> so yeah i mean yeah, guys it being was, dudes. <laughs> yeah, guys being dudes, you know, 18 years old. So do you um I so, was too busy in high school. David, to, what were you <laughs> like in high school? Uh I was also very type A. Um my college coach used to say I was type A plus. Um, but I was I was very I was a swimmer before I was a runner, so I was like a little bit of a like a reluctant runner, not reluctant, because like it just like I would do it. I did it like one season freshman year, and then I was like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. I should probably do cross country instead of soccer. And then I did it two seasons, and then, or you know what? I'm like the runner. Um, but yeah, no, I was just like very, yeah, very uh, high strung and uh, cared a lot about school. And I would say like, like I feel like I was my friends in high school. Like we were kind of like the we weren't like the cool kids but we weren't like the not cool kids like we were right in that like middle zone you know what I mean Where uh, yeah. it was like we we had like fun and like socialized and stuff but you like <laughs> yeah I had like you know an, a, three sips of beer and um in the bar I was in the video store <laughs> <laughs> um on the tee on the way to concerts that was uh, <laughs> That's the Boston high school kid uh, experience, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I was pretty boring in high school. Um, I feel like I, um, I, I feel like in a way, I'm glad to have been boring in high school because I feel like it was a solid on ramp into like I didn't like I started at a pretty low level, so I didn't like really go off the deep end in college um i'm a pretty risk averse person in general so i think that helps as well but snooze fast what'd you say i said that's a snooze fast i know i will i'm like i don't know you were born that way baby (laughs) yeah i'm a little bit of the the like i've definitely been like the the mom friend since i was like in elementary school so that's why you're so good at running in <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Um, and drinking wine, um, very competitive. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Was very much. I... Sorry, go. You were, you... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. When I was in high school, I was very much 
I feel like you said you were kind of scaled up. I very much have scaled down. Like I was a can of worms in high school. I was just crazy. Um, and then now I've like, and I did not give a single shit about school. Like I don't even think I had over a 3.0 GPA graduating high school. And then like the more I've, I've gotten older, the more I'm like, I should really like, I've just like toned it down and actually started to care a lot more about school now. And I find it fun to try in school and, and do things. So it's very interesting perspective to hold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> once you're, so once you're learning about things that you're actually interested in, I find no, that I'm that like, what, a, good... what was I doing back then? Like what was going through my head? And then I was like, yeah, I don't know who cares. The, uh, but yeah, I actually have some old YouTube videos of myself from high school, like that I used to post or unlisted on my channel, but that's a little Easter egg out there for the people listening. Maybe who knows? You can find the ever... right combination of gibberish letters and numbers you can figure out. Uh, yeah. And it's Easter too. That's the real Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Well, that's, yeah. I feel like I definitely, I still, uh, you know, like the John Mulaney joke about like, I'm walking around running for mayor of nothing. I mm -hmm. think, I've always had that. I, I've like, I, I always have that compulsion of like, I really want everybody to like me always. And I think that hasn't gone away, but I've gotten a much better handle of it on it now than like in high school where I felt like in high school, I was like very um, self-conscious about wanting like, God forbid anyone ever in the world, not like me. So yeah. just not a fun way to go through life. I'm a Gemini, so. I feel you. I have to make everyone like me. I crave favors with everyone. I'm an Aries, and I don't know what that means, but I know that everyone who meets me who does know what that means is like, oh, you're such an Aries. And so, <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know enough about it either. Yeah, I'm yeah, a Pisces, and I don't think astrology signs matter. But that's Fair a enough. hot take that me and Matt disagree on. Yeah. He like, yeah. We believe in different organizing forces of this this crazy chaotic universe. But I think the one thing that goes to show is no matter what you believe, you can always get along with other people. So true. Look at us, coexist, baby. Sticker, <laughs> so man. different. Me and Ben are stark opposites, but opposites <laughs> attract. Oh man, that's that's a beautiful way to uh, to to bring this whole thing full circle. Now that we've been recording for like literally, I don't even know, two hours. <laughs> but, to wrap it up, uh, we ask all of our guests um, the same three questions. Uh, so the first one is your Instagram crush. Um, doesn't have to be a literal crush. Doesn't have to be on Instagram. So like like Steve's TikTok has been my Instagram crush in the past. It can be just like anything on the internet that you're like feeling on the gram uh, or, or not on the gram. So you go first. I don't have an easy answer. I don't have one either. I have to think. Um, no i'm not gonna say that my celebrity crush is definitely timothy chalamet <laughs> i don't know oh, if that's you're so I, basic yeah i mean I, i've been around it's been it's been like a very long <laughs> crush I so I have, it's not one of these recent timothy chalamet crushes see my celebrity crush until he got canceled was ansel but um what did he get canceled for for having kids it's not google it it's not good yeah um, he got me too. He was. Oh, oh, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, I'd say my crush is. Uh, I don't know. I like blondes a lot. Um, <laughs> so blonde. it's the, this opposite attract thing. It makes sense. Maybe, maybe. Not, uh... He's drawn to me only because I'm blonde. Yeah, it's yeah. the one thing. Um, no, I'd say I don't know, man. Uh, celebrity crush. It doesn't have to be like a crush. Like it could just be like, oh, I saw this really funny meme. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I love memes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love, uh, I don't know, 
the new Lil Nas X song. Oh yeah, we love that. That's a good one. That that can be an Instagram crush. Yeah, I think the song is amazing to boot as well. So the I mean, song's growing on me. I didn't like love it at first, um, yeah, first but I love song. everything. He's like my Instagram crush. He's like his internet presence is just like. He gets it. I he's like, very new generation. Well, not yeah, he is, is new generation. Yeah. The, the phrase extremely online, he's like, he epitomizes yeah. that. He is an extremely yeah. online celebrity. Yeah. Also, Call Me By Your Name, Timothy Chalamet. That's like a nice synchrony. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, Good work, great, Ben. I don't know great was film. Going. It wasn't. Yeah. How would it, how do they relate to each other? Call Me By Your Name is the name of the song. Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, but how does that relate to Timothy something? Chalamet starred in the movie Call Me By Your Name. Oh, I don't know anything about Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I mean, clearly. Uh, it For seems like you guys have a movie to watch after this. Like, <laughs> I will watch that with Ben. Yeah, I'm not a huge I would love, I would love Ben's hot takes on Call Me By Your Name. That would be, I'm sure, an interesting I want to watch it with Smulders. <laughs> you, me, Melly, Smulders, Call Me By Your Name movie night. That ASAP. would be something. <laughs> Post COVID. <laughs> oh boy. Um, next like is that. your go-to karaoke song. Uh, someone hands you the mic. What are you singing? This is easy. So Ben and I, if we we had to do a duet, obviously, since we've come on the podcast. If you want, today. yeah, sure. Um, and we both love Dua Lipa. Okay, I was gonna, I was thinking either Dua Lipa or Doja Cat. Yeah, we love Dua. Oh, Lipa. Doja Cat and Dua Lipa is my celebrity crush. I take everything back. I love Call Me by Your Name by Lil Nas X, but. Dua Lipa. This oh, is man. what it is. This is what it is. I also love Miley Cyrus. So we'll do Prisoner by Dua Lipa and Miley Cyrus. And I'll do the Miley Cyrus part. Yeah. I would have said Levitating, the baby remix. Okay, yeah. But I do the Dua Lipa part. And I get to go, okay. let's go. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like you have a whole you have a whole set list. Like you can just yeah. perform Same a bunch of so by Doja Cat afterwards. I listened to Levitating by Dua Lipa probably 20 times before my 1500 beer on Friday. So... So you levitating on the yeah, track. I was yeah. levitating on the track, yeah. yeah. All right, and last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. You get one more meal. Anything you want in the world to eat. Bundy what style. Are you doing? Uh, I would want chocolate chip cookie and vanilla ice cream. That's like the best to me. Chocolate chip cookie is probably my favorite food. Like a like a chip witch or like separately? Ooh. Never heard someone either call it a chip witch before. Yeah. I yeah, either one. Piping hot though. Oh nice, yeah. Melty, gooey. Yeah. I would want That's like a idea. like a hearty American meal, like some some like <laughs> <The> ribs. ribs. <laughs> Literally like ribs, mashed potatoes, a nice tall, cold Arnold Palmer. Um what else? A maybe, cigarette. Maybe some green beans, yeah, <laughs> cigarette. Uh a little glass of scotch. Actually, just kidding. I don't really drink scotch. I actually have never had it. Maybe a bottle of vodka. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm trying to kill yourself before the, the electric chair does. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't kill me. I killed myself first. Um, and then, yeah, but I'd say like probably ribs, mashed potatoes, Arnold Palmer, um, green beans, macaroni and cheese, cornbread. That's a big meal, Ben. That's like a lot. Of hey, man, I'm not worried you about getting you know, anything. You want. Yeah, this is not, you know, bounded by, you don't have to yeah. worry about portions. Like I, I, we've had people who are like lactose intolerant say they'd like have like a ton of pizza because it like oh, won't matter at that chair. point. Yeah. <laughs> Scare them away before they turn <laughs> Yeah, them just off start here. farting. They're like, yo, you just go back, bro. Yeah. Like uh, any way out of the loophole that's, that's a good answer though both of those are good answers um well thank you guys for for coming on and and bearing your souls and your visions and your dreams for the future this was i enjoyed this a lot and 
I'm hoping our, our listeners will as well. So yeah, this is definitely one of my that. favorite podcasts I've ever been on. I was wouldn't say pleasantly surprised because I had good expectations going in, but I was they it exceeded lived up to the hype. Yeah. I lived it went beyond the hype. I think, you know, halfway through we we were getting in pretty, pretty serious, deep conversations, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh until next time. Spend on your mouth. Oh,